Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hears from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy, Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unk, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unk podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unk, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Brain Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com, where smart happens. Hi, I'm Marshall Brain with today's question. What the heck happened with Japan's nuclear power plants this weekend? As you'll recall, Japan had its giant earthquake and tsunami last Friday, and right after the earthquake, everything looked pretty much fine as far as the nuclear power plants were concerned. The New York Times ran a story about how everything looked good, there were no major problems, the reactor hadn't cracked or you know, fallen over or anything because of the earthquake, and it, it looked really good. But then by Saturday, things had taken a turn for the worse. So there were reactor buildings exploding. There was all kinds of talk about meltdowns and China syndrome and all this other stuff. So when you think about it, a nuclear power plant is supposed to be one of the most amazingly engineered, super wonderful things in the world with 
umpteen levels of redundancy and every single contingency thought about and poured over and inspected both nationally and internationally, there should have been nothing that could go wrong in Japan's nuclear power plants, and yet it did. So what happened, and how did things go from being really quite stable to completely unstable and leading to some of the worst nuclear accidents ever to occur on the planet? So let's take a look at what happened step by step, because it really is an interesting story, and it shows how even when something is engineered to the highest levels and given multiple layers of redundancy and so on, things can still go sour. In step one, the earthquake happened, and this was fine. The four reactors that were nearest the epicenter of the earthquake detected the earthquake, and they shut down automatically just like they were supposed to. So what does shut down mean? If you were to look inside these nuclear reactors, you would see fuel rods filled with nuclear fuel, little pellets about the size of your little finger that are arranged in these rods and collected together in bundles, and the control rods move down between the rods to absorb neutrons that are coming out of the uh, uranium atoms in the fuel. And once you absorb the neutrons, you basically quench or stop the nuclear reaction that's creating the heat, that's creating the steam, that's creating the electricity for the power plant. So they automatically shut down. The control rods moved into the, the reactor core, absorbed all the neutrons, quenched the reaction. Now there's still some well, not some, a lot of residual heat in that reactor core, both from other radioactive elements of short life that are in the core before it's quenched, and also just the heat that had accumulated. You can't have a gigawatt power plant with, you know, a light bulb. As here, you have a giant mass of something that's hot, and it's, it's itself is going to take time to cool down. So the earthquake happened. Nothing happened to the buildings. They were engineered properly and, and sustained no damage in the earthquake. The reactor shut down and everything was fine. So now you have these big nuclear reactors, which are in the process of cooling down, which is going to take some time. And during that cooling down process, you need to circulate cooling water through the cores. Unfortunately, the power grid wasn't in such great shape, and so power failed to the nuclear power plants. And you would think this wouldn't be the, a big problem since they are power plants after all, but they had been shut down automatically, so they aren't producing electricity. So in this situation, where your nuclear power plant is shut down and you have lost the connection to the power grid, what they've got is on-site backup diesel generators. So these diesel generators fired up to provide power that would run the pumps that would keep these cores cool. That system worked properly and everything was fine until the tsunami hit. And normally a tsunami hitting a nuclear power plant wouldn't be a big deal because they know about tsunamis and had designed against them. But they had not expected this big of a tsunami. So when it hit, it basically inundated the diesel generators, all of them, and took them out of service. Now, you could argue that the engineers should have put the diesel generators up higher so they couldn't have gotten hit by a tsunami, or they should have made the diesel generators submersible. So even if a tsunami came, they could run submerged and keep power going. But neither of those things happened. So the diesel generators failed. 
Now, in a nuclear power plant, there's another backup system which involves batteries. And batteries are there in case the diesel generators fail so that you have time to get some kind of additional backup plan in place. But these are batteries. Think about how batteries are in your life. They're always going dead. They never last long enough. If they're fully charged, you're you're still subconsciously thinking about them going dead. And batteries at a nuclear power plant are no different. These were designed to have a lifespan of about eight hours. So the batteries are circulating cooling water through the cores and everything's fine. And meanwhile, the engineers are trucking in backup, backup, diesel generators to hook into the nuclear power plants and fire them up but when these when these backup backup generators arrived apparently they had the wrong plugs on them they weren't quite compatible with the the nuclear power plant according to some reports and they couldn't just be hooked in instantly which meant that the batteries went dead and this is where things started to come unraveled Without cooling water circulating through the core, the reactor core starts to heat up and it starts to boil the cooling water. And as that water boils off, it starts to lower the level of water in the reactor core, causing some of the clear fuel rods to not be submerged in water anymore. At this point, the fuel rods overheated and cracked, allowing water to get into the very, very hot nuclear pellets, and you get dissociation of the water molecules and the production of hydrogen. It builds up in pressure, and it has to be vented off, and that normally wouldn't be a problem. Factories vent gases all the time, but for some reason, when they vented off a large quantity of hydrogen gas, it ignited and exploded. And this caused the building around the reactor vessel to disintegrate. Basically, the whole top of it was blown off by the hydrogen explosion. And this occurred multiple times, apparently, at multiple plants. Now, if this process had been allowed to continue, the process of boiling the cooling water off and exposing more and more of the core, things would have gone from bad to worse because eventually the nuclear fuel pellets would get so hot that they would melt. And this is where the word meltdown comes from, the idea that the nuclear fuel heats up, melts, and becomes uh, what one article termed radioactive lava that flows to the bottom of the reactor vessel and potentially eats through it and ends up in the floor of the reactor containment building. To prevent that from happening, to prevent a meltdown, the technicians in Japan decided to start pumping seawater into the reactors. And this you know, is largely a, a desperation measure because the seawater ruins the reactor and you're not ever going to be able to, to fix it. You're going to have to scrap the whole thing and, and start over. So they start pumping seawater in and that prevents a meltdown Long term, that's going to have some serious consequences for the the whole nuclear industry in Japan and for the Japanese power grid because nuclear power is an important part of the power system in Japan. It makes up, you know, these failed reactors make up something like 15% of the, the whole electricity generating capacity of the country. And that's a big loss for a country to sustain and will have to be replaced both short term and long term. So what does this whole episode mean in real terms? That depends on how you want to spin it. So if you don't like nuclear power, 
the way you spin this is you say, look, these terrible things happened. These were supposed to be well-engineered systems, but clearly they were not. There was radiation that was released into the environment. There were explosions. There could have been a meltdown. Things just did not go as we were told they were go, would go in an engineered system like this. Nuclear power should not be allowed anywhere on the planet. If you're pro-nuclear, you'd spin it the other way. You'd say, well, these reactors were designed and engineered with redundant systems and with procedures to handle just about any possible scenario. So a lot of stuff went wrong, and yet, in the big picture, nothing seriously dangerous happened as a result of the problems that occurred. So yes, a little bit of radiation was leaked into the atmosphere, but most of it is harmless, very short-lived, and that which wasn't completely harmless happened to blow out to sea, so it wasn't affecting any major population areas or anything like that. And there were no meltdowns, and there were no you know radioactive explosions like we had at Chernobyl, so nothing really bad happened. And even if a meltdown had occurred, it would have been okay because it would have been contained within the containment building and it wouldn't have been any big deal. You can kind of pick how you want to personally spin this event, whether you want to be pro-nuclear or anti-nuclear or somewhere in between. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House of Work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House of Work's iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across, uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work.